Hello, Paul Mackey, Thinking Idiot Thoughts. This will be another shorter one. My father-in-law is still in town. Got to get Iris to the theater for a matinee, and I also need to get into work for the afternoon and evening. Things will be much the same tomorrow, I suspect, but we'll see. So, Really Big Things, Chapter 2. This one's a little fragmentary. I guess a lot of them are, considering the limits I imposed on myself not to take over whole episodes of the deadpan. The iMac wine is still there, and I'm a little fuzzy on some of the choices of phrasing all this time later, but it moves things forward. I also employed my lovely wife, Darcy. I wasn't too happy with my voicing of Melissa in the first installment. Not every guy can bring forth singular quality ladies, after all. And the cameo still remains at deadpan level. Not that there's anything wrong with that. So, here's Chapter 2, Twineball. Really Big Things. A Serial by Paul Mackey. Episode 2, Twineball. Jeremy was stuck, three and a half floors above the alley, and something on his backpack was caught on something on the wall next to him. It had seemed pretty worth it up in his apartment, with someone pounding a meaty fist nearly through his door, to throw clothing and a few valued items in a backpack and get out on the fire escape. Other than the cop car, parked nearly directly beneath the fire escape, made that plan moot. Jeremy ran from the bedroom window to the tiny bathroom window and threw it open. Jeremy quickly thanked the fates that he was able to afford a corner apartment as he first saw the drain pipe with its regularly spaced support brackets, then noticed the lack of police presence on the ground below. Floors 6 and 5 had worked out fine, but now Jeremy was stuck. He moved up and down, trying to dislodge whatever was stuck. He took a deep breath, reaching down with a foot, and pulled down with his shoulders. A loud zipping sound made Jeremy cringe, but not so much as he cringed as plastic shattered on the pavement below like a gunshot. Sliding noises and more shattering plastic told Jeremy the pocket of the pack containing a handful of CDs had unzipped. The pack popped loose, and Jeremy clung to the pipe, panting, listening to hear if the noise had betrayed him. He breathed a sigh of relief as relative silence greeted him. Then he nearly pissed himself when his cell phone bleated. He quickly managed to pull it from his back pocket while maintaining a death grip with his other hand and answered it. Look, Jeremy. Chris. Yeah, I, I'm coming with you on the trip. Meet me at Joe's garage. Jeremy woke to the sound of car tires through puddles and quiet public radio. He sat forward and rubbed his neck, sore from having dozed off against the car window. Hey, good thing you're up. We're almost to Darwin. Jeremy rubbed his eyes. What do we get to see when we get there? A giant tortoise? No, the world-famous twine ball. You're going to take pictures of string? Well, yeah, but world-famous string. Twine, actually. They're pretty sensitive about calling it twine. Okay. Chris sighed. It won't take long. The twine ball sat in a small building off the town square. It was about eight feet tall, fashioned from brown twine that was obviously aging some. Chris snapped a few pictures, thumbed some buttons on his camera, snapped a few more, moved to a new position, and started the process anew. Yep, that's a big ball, said Jeremy. Look, I'm going to be a little while, and since you obviously have no interest... Oh, I'm interested. Gosh, that's a whole lot of string. Did he say string? Chris winced. Twine, remember? Look... Go to the gift shop or something. I don't need pictures of you impatiently hovering. Chris, I now leave you. Commence being an artiste. 
Jeremy left the twine ball enclosure and stopped outside under the awning to see if the rain had let up at all. The sun was trying to break through the clouds, and residual rainwater dripped noisily from the corner of the enclosure into a large rain barrel. Jeremy felt a hand on his shoulder. Excuse me. Hey, I didn't do it. Jeremy jumped about a foot. Oh. The woman had to be at least equal to Jeremy's six feet. She had long flowing blonde hair at least waist length. Her hair was brilliantly lit by a shaft of sunlight that had managed to penetrate the clouds, and Jeremy had to squint a bit to look at her. I'm sorry, did I startle you? Uh, no, said Jeremy, noting the almost violet color of her eyes. I'm just a little jumpy today. He rubbed his shoulder where she had touched him. It tingled as though his arm had fallen asleep. Oh, okay. If you like this entry, you should try Wyckoff. Jeremy turned, confused. Uh, you mean this door? Door? Entry, yes. She almost sounded foreign, like she was unused to the English language. The blonde turned to enter the twine enclosure. If you like this one, try Wyckoff. The words were simple, but Jeremy felt as though she was revealing all the secrets of life to him. Uh, okay. Jeremy felt almost short of breath. He nodded as the woman went in. He stood there for a moment. You got a girlfriend already, man, he said to himself. Yeah, and she's disgusted with you, dude. Well, she cared enough to send her brother. Fuck it, he said aloud, and ran into the enclosure. been listening to Really Big Things, a serial by Paul Matthews. Music is Chronodermis by Nanochrist. Check out their website at www.nanochrist.com. And that cameo was Jeremy from Seattle. I don't know if I'll be telling you who all of them are or not, but that might be the plan. I don't know. I don't have a plan. Okay, so I didn't really look into what the lay of the land in Darwin was exactly. The Twine Ball doesn't have a building per se, and definitely not its own visitor center. Just a nice enclosed gazebo kind of thing. It is the Twine Ball in the Weird Al song, of course. What state would have a pair of massive Twine Balls? It's the world's largest ball of twine collected by a single man, Francis A. Johnson, but not the world's largest twine ball in general, which the entire town of Cocker City, Kansas, wound together. Either way, don't call it string. I have some level of plans for the purple eyes. I think I was internally using the term wraiths, but I don't know if that made its way into print, uh, well, recordings. I'm not married to the term. It feels kind of overused in some genre work. I'd never read a single issue of Deadpool up to this point, but Jeremy clearly has multiple internal voices having a conversation. I'm not claiming to be on par with Daniel Way, but I like that that happened. I don't remember if I ever used it again, though. Well, that's something for pondering for another time, I guess, as I don't have time to review the whole work just now. So, happy hunting! You have been listening to the One Idget's Thoughts on podcast, produced by Paul Mackey in association with Quadruplez.com. Theme music is Too Good by Jack Mangan and is used by permission from him. 
If you would like to hear other podcasts by me, you might try The Ghostlight Podcast, a completed intro cast about the TV series Slings and Arrows, or Idgetcast, an intro cast for the TV series Supernatural. Both can be found on fine podcasting listening software everywhere or at quadruplez.com. Love is no